Hey devs, you're tuning into the debug log number 45. It's been seven long, desolate months without an interview, but it's going to be a good one. We finally got one, and it's uh, with uh, actually a couple of my friends, Will Depardo and Greg Anderson, uh, and they're lead QA developers here at Sprockets, quote unquote. You'll get that later. But anyway, I'm not going to delay any longer. This is a really good interview, a lot of good information, and they bring a lot of experience uh, in the game dev industry that I'm sure you guys are going to vibe with. So without further ado, this is the D. Debug Log, episode 45. What was that? That was good. <laughs> it's weird. It's like the rhythm gets off completely. It really does. Don't I don't even people. know why I started. I was, I kind of was waiting for you to start the Twitter thing, but... That's... that's. <laughs> yeah. I say O with an H. I think that's the endearing part of our show. People like that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Because we're just stupid. That's yeah. <laughs> just retarded. <laughs> You're like, what? Oh shit, I almost closed the page. You're listening to the Debug Log, a podcast about game development. My name's Obino Para. My name's Andrew Curry. And it's just the two of us, yeah. sorta, kinda, sorta, kinda. We got rid of everybody. We got rid of. <laughs> oh, another. Actually, the great thing about this is we have. Um, actually, I'll get into that later. But I just want to first encourage you guys to go to our iTunes um, and leave us a review because they. Um, I'll take the the route Andrew took yesterday or last time is that we just really need them and they really yeah. help. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely write a us sympathetic a re- route. Yeah. Exactly, sympathetic route. Just write us a review because it, it's really helpful and helps us. To, you know, get those listens, gets us uh, momentum or whatever. Uh, anyway, so yeah, this episode is going to be a great one. It's uh, it's our first interview in a very, very long time. In about seven months, I think. And it's months, literally right? been almost like half a year or something. It's ridiculous. Uh, but we're back at it, uh, and we've got a special treat with uh, this time. And that's, uh, we brought two of my friends, uh, Will DePardo and Greg Anderson, uh, who work with me. Uh, and we're just going to be talking about QA and their experiences as developers as QA. And they're, they've had a huge experience and background yeah. in QA. So uh, I'm sure you guys will all enjoy it. So without further ado, let's jump into it. All right. So yeah, we're here, here with uh, a couple of lead QA quality assurance uh developers um at a studio at a mobile studio here in uh san francisco uh close to my uh two of my coworkers as well and, and close friends um greg anderson and will depardo uh and we're just going to be talking about you know quality assurance QA. this is like um actually i should mention that this is like our first interview in a long long time yeah. so i know you guys are excited we're tired of hearing from us every week <laughs> exactly <laughs> but yeah um so yeah welcome to the show will yeah welcome hey thanks hey. Nice to be here. Yes, cool. Uh, So I guess just to get things started, could you tell us a little bit about yourself as how you got into games, how you got into, you know, quality QA, Uh, just a little background about yourselves. Sure. Will, you want to lead off or you want me to? Uh, I'll go first. Yeah, sure. Go for it, man. So uh, actually, Greg and I got the same start uh, in the industry at Namco. Uh, he managed to actually snag a job as a QA tester, told me about it, and I jumped in not too long after that. Um, from there, uh, we spent a lot of time kind of, both of us, I remember moving up pretty quickly. Uh, I went through a route for CQC and Greg moved up to, I think, I think you were CQC for a little bit, but then moved on to uh, assistant lead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Namco was kind of really fast paced for us. Like from there, we just kind of jumped from position to position. Uh, I was got let go from Namco at some point and then moved on to Activision, uh, where I was working on Guitar Hero Van Halen. And uh, that la- gig lasted a year. They shut down the studio I was working at. From there, I went to Poll to Win, which is an outsourced uh, QA testing company. Um, so, you know, now I've got, at that point now, I have publisher, developer, and uh, third-party QA experience. Mm. 
And from there, I move into mobile at DNA, and then I go to where I'm working now. I guess I shouldn't say where it is now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make. We should make up a code name like yeah. Sprockets or somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Sprockets. Perfect. Yeah. That's there you go. <laughs> uh, as far as I guess getting into games, I mean, I've been in the game since I was a little kid. I think like most of us. Um, you know, I think I went to Nintendo right a while, and then Sony, and then Xbox, and now I'm pretty much mostly a mobile gamer now. Hold right on. Um, yeah, so like Will said, we both started out in Namco at the same time as a contract testing gig. Um, for me, it was paying a whole hell of a lot better than telemarketing, and it felt better to test games than to try to get people to buy the Mercury News over the phone. <laughs> so uh, I, it was an easy choice. Um, I didn't realize I'd actually be like good at it because I had no idea what it entailed. Uh, I went through a staffing agency called Nelson, and their interview process was literally, can you spell, are you dressed for an interview? Oh, that's right. <laughs> and so, you know, I went down there, and the worst of it is, like, I asked the guy, I was like, uh, what, is what I'm wearing now good for an interview? Because he wanted to schedule me same day. And he was like, oh, yeah, sure. I was wearing, like, a Pink Floyd hoodie and some torn-up jeans. <laughs> Perfect. And I remember this interview, right, because I don't know anything about, like, this job, this company. Like, I'm completely unprepared. Everybody else is in, like, you know, like, nice clothes, interview clothes. And I was like, oh, oh, man, this looks great. And, you know, I had, like, a stain on it, too, because I was seriously, like, driving in my car trying to get to this interview, eating and stuff. But, yeah, I actually stayed at Namco for a good five years. I made it off a contract. I was a lead there for quite a number of years. Um, and then uh, at a certain point, I just made the gut decision that I wasn't going to do much better than I was doing. So I went to a company called Perfect World, which is a Chinese MMO maker. Um, and I pretty much tested on every console across the board at Namco, so I wanted to do something new. And PC MMOs were definitely new. Um, the company culture was new, etc. Um, shortly after I got there, they bought a dev house called Cryptic Studios and launched a game called Neverwinter. Mm-hmm. And that was my first real experience, long-term experience, working with developers. And for that, it was um, it was definitely eye-opening. Like It's one thing to have a faceless dev on the other side of an email for seven plus years because Namco is pure publishing in the, in America. But you know, once you actually bought, like is in Los Gatos and I would be able to literally drive from my house to go talk to the engineer who created the bug that I'm trying to tell him to fix and it was kind of a unique experience like it's a lot harder to be mad at somebody when they're like right there you know when you're on the other end you could be like oh this jerk he has no idea what's going on what a moron but you get there and you're like well this guy's actually pretty smart and he probably didn't do this on purpose so I, I should simmer but yeah, after um, a good year after a good year at Cryptic uh, I decided that I had uh, done enough on PC and that really Honestly, it wasn't going to get much better because uh, Cryptic and Perfect World are both transitioning towards console. So uh, I made the jump over to mobile here at uh, Sprockets, and here I am. <laughs> excellent. This excellent. is the time where you dance. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Actually, I want to actually take a quick step back uh, and talk about because I think a lot of our audience, uh, not necessarily, but we haven't really talked about QA on our podcast. So it's really been just talked about like you know play testing and getting your games in the hands of other users but never really about like the intricacies and the core of what QA is. Can you guys like in your own world words, like explain what you, what QA is to you and, and what it means for games and or software in general? I just want to quickly point out that uh, it's not surprising that an engineer forgot about QA. Why you lead this one off? Sure. Um, for me, the, the big thing about QA, um, what it means to me is that we're kind of, I won't say the only line of defense, but we're the last line. Um, we're not only supporting the company, but we're also supporting our customer service teams and we're helping everybody get a product out. Like we have to be as thorough and as nitpicky as we can possibly be um, because we don't know what users are actually going to hate. Like, I don't know, maybe like there's like crazy in-depth marketing research, but I've definitely been in spots where I've been like, ah, it's just a small bug. I, even if it gets through, like, I doubt any users will care about this. And man, did they, you know, they've come back and, you know, we've gotten negative views. Like this one sound just didn't work right. And it like ruined the game for me. Cause you know, how the internet is like yeah. your burger is not quite done and everything's ruined. So, you know, um, but for me, it's also like a, a point of pride. You want to put like, 
the best stamp you possibly can on the game. And we're not necessarily making features. We're not coding. Um, I'm certainly not, you know, out there marketing or meeting partners or anything like that. But at the same time, like the smaller a database is at the end of a project, the more pride I can take in the fact that this game is as close to clean as it's going to be. And um, the last little part of it, there's, there's always a challenge because as good as I am at QA and as Will is and pretty much most people I've worked with, I don't say everyone, but most people I've worked with are actually doing QA. Um, we're not, you know, millions of users. So I like to see, you know, what the users actually find and see if this is something that, you know, we could we could have possibly caught. I worked on a game once where we couldn't support more than 256 people per instance. And instead of creating a new instance, it actually crashed. Uh, and there was no way we could have caught that. I mean, I don't know how we could have but it's one of those things where my team was really disheartened about it they were like man i can't believe it i thought this was good and i was like dude there's not 256 of us like there's no way even if we multi-boxed all these machines into the ground we wouldn't have gotten 256 people so you know um but i was proud i was honestly pretty proud that that was the one that got us because everything else was fine you know like and so for me it is it's a lot of different things but it really is about putting putting a sense of pride on the work and you know kind of giving everybody else the reassurance that yeah like look we've looked at it we're professionals at this the game is good your code is good your art assets look fine everything is exactly the way you want i'm signing off um follow that motherfucker exactly He's like, <laughs> ditto <laughs> i'm actually uh, no, um could you repeat the question i wasn't paying attention <laughs> Uh, okay, what what is QA? That's the question. Yeah, sure. Just in your own words, like, what do you think of when you think of QA? I guess. Um, to be honest, actually, recently I've kind of learned that uh, QA kind of functions in this not well functions, but looks at the game from kind of the same perspective as like the project manager, where it's this overarching thing. They're not just looking at the art. They're not just looking at the engineering. They're looking at the whole project from the full spectrum as much as possible. And I think the main difference between those two views, though, is that the project manager is kind of looking ahead, whereas QA is very focused on what this is now. Um, and I think that's actually something that kind of gets forgotten a lot by the other developers is that, well, you know, yes, I'm pointing out things that are broken right now that we're planning on changing in the future. You know, we have to actually address the game as it is because. At any given moment, someone's going to look at this, and that's going to be the representation of what it is now. So QA, I find, uh, is mostly about just making sure that our team has put their best foot forward as far as the game's concerned. Um, you know, that, that could come in a lot of different areas. Like UI flow is something that I would actually bug if I found it kind of shitty or, well, I probably shouldn't have said that word. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a heads up. This is the explicit show, so. Yeah, you can uh, say whatever. Yeah, yeah, say whatever. Well, and, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Help yourself somewhat. <laughs> Offensive epithets aside, you can say whatever you want to say. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I mean, um, it's it's not it's not so much just about uh, finding bugs and saying, yeah, this is broken, we should fix this. It's also kind of about taking the game in as a whole and saying, is this fun? Is this something you're willing to put out there and show people? Is this something that you're willing to put your name on and say, this is ready to go, I want this out for the world to see? Mm -hmm. um, and like, you know, I'm not saying none of the other developers are looking at it that way. They absolutely probably are as well. But, you know, as an engineer, I'm sure you guys are mostly focused on what you guys do and not so worried about what art's doing or what design is doing exactly until it comes time to merge what you're doing with the, what they're doing. Well said. Cool. Yeah. I have a question. So, since you guys experience games this way now and, and look at probably everything this way, has this ruined games in a way for you? <laughs> are you like always deconstructing anything to play or do you can you shut that part of your brain off now? It really it. depends on the kind of game. Is that why you only play mobile games now? Um, I mean, honestly, like I play mobile games now because that's what I do, and okay. that's kind of where my focus is. And but I mean, yeah, I'll, I'm not gonna lie; it absolutely does paint games for me in a different picture. And there are definitely a lot of nights where I get home and I'm been thinking all day, like, man, yeah, I'm gonna pop in Fallout Four and. You know, get a few levels, get some good gear, and then I get home and I look at my Xbox and I'm like, 
you know what? No. no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I like, you know, I, I'm sure Greg will echo this too. When you see a bug in a game that you've purchased, I think for QA, it hits a little bit harder. Um, and it's not so much that, you know, we're sitting there going like, haha, these fuckers, they couldn't get this shit done. But it's more of like, you know, I think the immediate thought first for me at least is, fuck, I got a bit QA got blamed for that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is that that is the developer perspective across the, all the exactly. disciplines. We just our episode's about to go out is apropos to this. It's about why do you hate my game? And it's about negative feedback and getting all that stuff in. And we went through big cases of this happening, you know, failed launches and all these problems happening. And every time we're like but it's hard to make the game. And the ones where everybody freaked out, the developer's always like, well, guys, this stuff isn't easy. So we always take that side. Uh, yeah, usually, actually, so I'm a little bit different from all this. It does bother me to find a bug in a game, but mostly because I know it got waived. Like, I don't necessarily think that anybody, like, 100% blamed QA, but I do feel like I know that, like, if I found a bug just casually playing through a game, I'm like, that probably got found and waived, and that irritates me. I'm like, somebody was like, nah, not worth it. And uh, that bothers me. But honestly, like, it hasn't ruined games for me. Uh, I like to play a lot of big-budget games anyway, because, I mean... I feel like if I worked in, in film, for example, I would still go see Avengers, even if right, I worked right. on all kinds of games, because let's see what the pinnacle of the industry, the top of the top, let's see what they're doing right now. And so I like to, I'm curious, I like to see, like, all right, let's see how good these guys are. Let's see what's broken in their game, what they decided was an acceptable release status. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, there are definitely times where I found a bug in games, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if I could do that again. And that's just the tester in me, like, coming back out. I'm like, I am going to repro this. And I've certainly, like, ruined, like, sessions of games for myself by, like, repeatedly causing a crash and stuff like that. But at the same time, like, I mean, really, it's my time. So I decided I was I was just going to break the game. You know, it's not like I got on the forums afterwards and, like, hey, ass faces, like, I found a bug, you idiots. You well, know, I, guess, I was yeah. just kind of like... <laughs> Well, I guess that's a little self-affirming if you're like, well, they got, yeah. they, 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 this is a huge, this is, you know, this is Skyrim or Fallout 4 and this has a lot of bucks. So I feel yeah. a little bit better about this now. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, I'm also interested uh, just on your background a little bit and just like how you got into this world of QA. Uh, not so much like, I guess, the direction took, but, you know, usually when, at least let me talk like personally, like when I looked at games when I was a kid, I looked at like maybe the function and like how they made this work or maybe just the art of it. Like that game looked really beautiful. And I'm kind of curious, like, how do you find yourself like going in the QA route where like, you know, meshing your passion for games plus like your organization skills, I guess, or quality assurance? As opposed to other fields. Yeah, as opposed to other fields like engineering or art or, you know, project management, et cetera. Like what made you, what kind of drove you to picking QA? So like... (laughs) The real talk, like, like I said, QA, I was not something I intended to actually do. I had no idea what I was signing up for in the beginning. And uh, I kind of met, like, especially, like, as a contract tester. And back in the day, this was back in, like, the 200-plus test teams for, like, 30 projects over the summer type stuff. You know, I was, like, one of a badge number and blah, blah, blah. And um, so for me, like, getting there... I met some really, really cool people, like really smart people. And then I met some people who worked in other parts of the company. And I was like, dude, those guys are pretentious dicks, you know? And like, I was pretty young when I started doing, I was 20, how old am I now? I was 22. So, you know, I was still, you know, a little bit uh, impressionable. And I was like, dude, QA is actually where like the cool, smart people actually work and stay. And so that like kind of kept me with it at first. And then when I became a lead, I was like, oh, I know how all the leads I I hated like work right and so i know how to not be like them and for me it's as much as it sounds shitty to say and i hope nobody that works with me said like here's this the wrong way but it's not necessarily about the game itself for me i i care about the project but i actually really like developing the team personally like i'm a people person i've always been good as a trainer um i'm a pretty decent salesman when i need to be and so like i i try to to really like find really good people who want to do something else and like give them the tools to get there but at the same time like 
teaching them, you know, like this is QA, this is like what we do so that hopefully that like when some trainee I've had is, you know, top of their project, executive producer, et cetera, they don't have the mindset of the people that like at Namco or Perfect World did where they were kind of like, you know, oh, well, it's just bugs. Like, screw those guys. They don't know anything. You know, I want to I want to have a positive feeling towards it. Um, I don't plan on doing anything besides QA. I actually really enjoy my job for the reason I just said. I like the people you get to work with, you know, Um, and also it is kind of fun to see that really eager, eager person who's like, oh, my God, I get to work in games like three months after that that happens. And they're kind of like, oh, man, like bottle of whiskey at their desk. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you find out how the sausage is made. You don't want to eat it anymore. Uh, let's see. For me, um, I, rem- it, I mean, like, I kind of agree with Greg. At the time, it was mostly kind of just I need a job, and this is who's hiring because, uh, uh, you know, Namco at the time, they were kind of just hiring people off the street. Um, whoever can hold a controller and write a bug, great. You're good to go. Yeah, you and I walked right in. <laughs> yep, exactly. I, I, God, the, I bombed my interview, like, in extraordinary fashion. I, I <laughs> you literally, should tell them what you said, Will. Yeah, I, I basically told them I was uh, on a Coke binge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was not on a Coke binge. I said something. I was not aware of what it actually meant. Uh, okay. So don't ever say the word strung out in an interview. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and they still hired I me. I forgot about that, that right now. He works long <laughs> hours. That's what it shows. Us. I, I think that was their thought. They are like, well, he's never going to leave for OT. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, honestly, once I got into QA and, you know, for it's, there was a while of that looking over my shoulder every now and then because I'm thinking I'm I'm playing a video game and they're paying me right now. This doesn't feel right. Uh, <laughs> so, but once I got over that, I kind of really liked the analytical side of QA, um, like what it takes to find these issues, you know, the documentation it takes to cover all these bases. Um, and then on top of that, uh, what I really loved was working with uh, Xbox, Sony, and Microsoft, uh, not Microsoft, Nintendo standards. What did I say? Did I say Nintendo twice? No, no you said I, Xbox instead of Microsoft, but yeah. either way. Yeah. All good. All good. <laughs> You're so, strong guy right now. That's fine. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't, we don't hold him against you. Cool. Yeah. So another thing, I guess, Greg, you mentioned like, uh, you know, handling or being uh, like a lead over these like starry eyed kids getting into the game industry. And, you know, there's almost like that, that adage or that idea that QA is almost like a gateway uh, drug, if you will, will uh, where, you know, that's like their entryway. <laughs> into that was the dumbest joke. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just like an entryway into the gaming industry is I was like curious as like with all the experience that you've had in the game industry now as a QA lead, is that is there like truth to that? Is that all fan? Is all fiction, or there's some fact? Uh, I mean, it really depends. That's more of a right place, right time thing. It doesn't hurt to get industry experience. I'll tell you straight up right now here at Sprockets, uh, if you don't have any QA experience, your resume is not even getting to my desk. Mm-hmm. And but also here at Sprockets, I would say our testers have the best chance of anywhere I've ever worked into actually moving into doing something besides testing. Um, I actually think sometimes companies are a little bit disingenuous about that in their hiring practice. It's something I, I really hate is they'll be, oh, you know, like, yeah, you know, like you could start in QA and be whatever you want. But that's just not true at some companies. And I mean, it shouldn't be. I I don't think I'm qualified to do like marketing, for example. I literally don't know anything about it besides it exists and it involves making ads and doing studies and stuff like that. But, you know, like that doesn't mean like just because you did QA doesn't mean anything. And I think that's that's something that gets mixed up in the translations. Like you're getting experience doing what you're doing, but you still have to work to further yourself. Um, I'd say the common thing is actually artists. Uh, I meet a lot of like uh, art school grads. There's several big art schools in the area that come in to do QA because they want to work in games. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, but like, really, I want to do art for games. And I'm like, cool, you know, like, if you send me your portfolio, I'll send it to a couple people I know. And they're like, oh, you know, I haven't updated it. And I'm like, well, that's why you're never going to be an artist. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like, it's the same way I imagine for engineers. I've actually never met anybody who wanted to be like an engineer that started in QA. But, 
um, I would imagine that like you guys practice code on your own or build like apps on the side just to do it, you know, and keep in practice. So that if somebody asks, like, let me see some of your work, if you've never worked on anything professionally, you have something, right. you know, you have your own portfolio of sorts. Um, but yeah, like I wouldn't say it hurts to start in QA, but it's definitely not a guarantee. It's still about drive and you still do have to be in the right place at the right time. Um, not to ramble on a little bit longer, but when we were at Namco, like seriously, Will mentioned he got laid off. It was like way back in like 08. But I mean, like of the 75 people that they laid off, they kept myself and three others. And I mean, that's literally the opportunities we had to advance out of being contract workers. There was four opportunities for 75 people. And, you know, at, at that point, moving up from there was more a waiting game. Wait until the company decides the department's valuable again, that our division's valuable again, so on and so forth. So a lot of it is time and place. And the one piece of advice I totally give to anybody who's listening to this thinking about getting started in QA is never be afraid to keep your options open. Look around. There is somebody else hiring and you can find a better spot for you, especially if you feel like you're not appreciated. You will find a better spot. Do you think that the the gateway, I guess, myth or whatever is that's more of a historical thing? Like you guys said, you just wandered into this in a way, and it's it's a it's a thing that a generalist can walk into without having a CS degree or without having an artwork portfolio, and then they say, "Hey, I just kind of want to work in games," and that's why it used to be a a gateway thing. And now, I guess you said like the the bigger companies take advantage of that of that you know Absolutely. idea. I'd say the gateway, like I said, though, it, it is a lot of time and place. So there are places where it's still true. You know, I'm sure that like the first QA tester that Facebook hired might be like their director of tech now, you know, He's but employee number 12 or whatever. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But like the first tester that Webvan hired is certainly not working for them anymore, you know, as they don't exist. And there is obviously two extremes there. One's wildly successful and the other is, uh, you know, gone, has been gone forever. But at the same time, like, it's time and place. There's there's some companies that just they'll never grow enough to actually let you advance, even if they were inclined to. Mm-hmm. And there are some companies that, like I said, they'll take advantage. And you know, here at like Sprockets, I don't think we're we're a company that is going to help people, you know, with their careers, and that's good. And yeah, I wouldn't call it a hundred percent myth, but it's certainly not as easy as like old timers like John Romero or somebody make it sound. It's like, oh, back in my day, I was the tester and the developer. It's like, yeah, well, well you know, that yeah. was for you know, Windows 95, that sounds cool, but we've moved along since then. Yeah. And it's also Honestly, like when we go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, when we got started too, like it was, it was actually kind of treated like a best kept secret almost because there weren't really weren't that many people. I remember at Namco that had like art or engineering or design experience that were trying to move up. Um, it was far and few between that's definitely increased now. So it's not, I wouldn't say it's a myth, but um, I could absolutely count on one hand the amount of people I've seen move from QA to something else. Well, and when you hear those stories, it's like, well, how did you do that? It's like, well, I stayed after work for four hours and five hours and made worked on my portfolio, or I worked on my I worked on my programming. And they're like, well, you could have just done that at home and made a portfolio. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of it's the same thing as an artist coming in with a portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. Cool. Well, thanks for debunking that one. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Myth busted. <Yeah. laughs> cool. Uh, so I guess the shift gears a little bit. Um, and like I said, I mentioned in the beginning of the show, I re- I don't really know much about QA other than uh, what I've experienced at Sprockets and I guess on some other side projects. But, you know, a lot of our users or audience may not know that much about QA. So that's why I want to dive a little deep into what the QA, uh, I guess, quote unquote, toolbox is, you know, the the mentality you need to have, the skill set you need to have um, and or the actual tools like the what, like the editor you're using or some other third party tool that you're using to actually do your QA um, job, I guess. Um, so I guess if we just want to jump in, like what are I guess we can start with like the mentality um, you need to have as a, a lead QA or someone who's even wants to. I guess just anyway, let's just get into QA, just like the mentality you need to have to be a successful QA or if you will. Honestly, the first thing is flexibility. Um, in QA, you're going to be asked to do so many things kind of outside of what your job is, because uh, I, uh, in my experience, especially lately, QA's treated a lot like dev support as well. So there's going to be a lot of responsibilities and opportunities and things you can do that will be outside of that. 
And to take advantage of that stuff, you need to be very, very flexible and you need to be able to think on your feet very well and be able to adjust to different situations. Um, beyond that, you know, attention to detail, you know, that's something that gets thrown around whenever, and it's kind of like, well, yeah, obviously, but it's very seriously important to have good attention to detail. It drives me crazy when I've worked with testers who are literally like just half on their phone and half playing the game and then are wondering why their bug count is so low on things. It's like, well, you know, you have to actually be paying attention and not just paying attention in the sense of, oh, I'm playing this game and I'm looking for whatever I see. You know, you're actively trying to run against a wall to see if there's any clipping here. You're trying to uh, adjust the audio at different levels to see is that's not popping in, uh, in any specific audio level. Like there's a lot of things within that that you need to not just do, but actively participate in with your full attention. Yeah. Um, so one of the other things that I, I emphasize is like you have to you have to be patient because everything is going to test like you're testing the game, but you're in the QA process for those who don't know, right? You like QA actually comes at the end, right? There's very little QA in the very, very beginning of a project as nothing exists. And as Will mentioned earlier, QA exists in the realm of the now, like what is. So spec docs and like designs and land panels and stuff that exist in a non-game fashion don't like Q there's nothing I can do for that. I can look at it and be like, yeah, that is a thing, but that's as far as it goes. Once it's in and code and actually something you can put your hands on and test, then it becomes our thing so you're already at the end of the process and people who have been working for three or four or five weeks to get like a level perfect they're going to come to you right away hey hey have you looked at my level hey have you how's my level look hey can you can you look at my level and it's like you got to have the patience and on top of that when you're testing the game at first glance maybe their level is perfect but you got to go through it three four five maybe a dozen two dozen times depending on how long you're on a project you could go through it a hundred times um i must have played fast and the furious tokyo drift like all the way through like 15 16 times driven all around that damn highway in the thing the wangan highway i still remember because it haunts my dreams but I mean, like, oh my yeah you're we're er, but it gets their speed kicks yeah but yeah the uh the patience element is like it's both in testing like you you got to make sure that like if you think you see something you got to just dedicate the time and go after it but also in dealing with everybody who's going to be asking you a billion questions like what do you mean by this where'd you find this can you show me this thing what, what are you doing well how come you found, are you sure you're on the right build it's going to be a thousand second guesses and the moment you lose your cool you've lost the game you cannot let that get to you because it is it's constant right um one of the analogies i use uh when i'm training new people is you know imagine that you're a teacher and you're you have to tell a parent not even something bad but something that's just not good news right you have to tell them hey man like your kids are really smart they're well spoken but they don't read at the same level as the other kids some parents will take that as like oh okay we work on their reading skills that's good other parents will absolutely flip out they'll be like what do you, what the hell is that supposed to mean and you have to be cool it's important for the project uh, or using the analogy of the, the kid that they understand that it's not a bad thing but it needs to be addressed and that's kind of like the patience thing is all around while we're on that mindset idea what is the uh this is a kind of weird question but what is the venn diagram of qa testers and the speedrunner community because that it feels like those guys are so methodical like having intimate knowledge of games and glitches is there do you are there people that you guys know in qa that are into that whole thing or is that yeah i've met a i've met a few um Nobody that's like actually famous enough to be like, <laughs> or anything. but like I have met a couple people throughout the years that are into that. Um, I'd say it's a pretty decent chance that there's a good crossover. Um, the one thing about QA testers, though, we get distracted because we will find something and we'll pick at it. And so we might not necessarily like be the best for speedrunning, but if you're looking for like min maxers and like people who are going to tell you the perfect strat for a raid, you're going to find the QA guys in every group. I'd be willing to okay. bet about fifty percent of guild leaders on WoW are QA leads. That's interesting. They're doing the GPS spoofs on Pokemon um, Go. Pokemon Go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. A lot of uh, a lot of fighting game players too. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Frame okay, counting yeah. and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. 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 Uh, you were t you guys were talking about like uh, the things you need to have like um, uh, cool head flexibility uh, patience uh, and and that kind of let me or 
kind of put me into the mindset of like, what do you guys like? Because I know you guys are deep entrenched uh, into the whole hiring slash interviewing process at Sprockets. What do you look for like on an actual resume? What do you see if someone was kind of like fresh out of college? What would you look for on their resume that says, hey, this guy could be a great QA um, developer? Yeah, what or, major screams QA? <laughs> That's yeah. an interesting question. Or side project, yeah. or et cetera. What, what is it? What screams out to you? Um, like fresh out of school on a resume, the thing I'm kind of looking for is how they talk about their own games because most game schools make them do a project. So I look for like key language, you know, like if they're just like, oh, it's this like amazing game that blah, 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 blah. Like that's just the cell text that they put on their project. I'm not that interested in it. But it's like if they're breaking it down, it's like it had elements of this and this and this, you know, it shows me that they're they're thinking at least a little bit critically about their game and they may have played a little bit deeper role in terms of like skill sets and tools. If they can get hands on experience with like a database of any kind, even if it's like a janky one, you know, like Maximo or something then you know feel free that that helps because um, one of the things that I had literally no experience with, like everybody's probably played a game at some point. I had never entered anything in a database like ever. None of my jobs have required that uh, prior to working in the games industry. And so because of that, you know, like the first day I spent pretty much just clicking buttons and I, I submitted a couple dupes and broke a couple things. And I was just like, all right, well, I think I understand this database now, but that's something that's important for me. Like if, if you can actually somehow get hands-on experience with like Jira or uh, Test Track Pro, uh, something like that, then you're in good shape because that puts you a leg up on most of the competition that wouldn't have any previous experience. Actually, to add on to that too, Atlassian offers uh, Jira databases for $10 a month. Um, I've had my own Jira for a few years now. And honestly, like I would suggest anyone that's looking to get in the industry and wants to go through QA, just get your own Jira database and start messing around with it, figure it out, take a look at everything because that alone just having knowledge of a database and how it works, it doesn't really matter that it's Jira or this or that. Just understanding the basic concept of a database, how a bug workflow goes, that's huge. If you can just, without any experience, if you can talk to me about that in an interview, I'm probably already on the yes side. Interesting. Cool. So, like, uh, actually, in addition to other tools like Jira um, and task management software, are there other things that other software, other tools that you guys use to test for quality, or is it is, is the main is your main like go to tool? Is it the Jira? Is it the bug you know tracking software? Or is there other things that you, you guys utilize on a day to day basis that really helps do the job for QA? Um, obviously, having good Office like Microsoft Office skills are great. We do use a ton of Excel, um, Word not so much because email exists, but. Outlook, obviously, like I, I hope that one of the questions I won't have to answer ever is like, how do I send an email from Outlook? But you never know. <laughs> the future is weird. Um, but yeah, other other than that, in terms of like tools, uh, really in QA, a lot of your dev tools are going to be homebrewed. Um, every project's a little bit different, and so generally the devs themselves that are working on your game are going to build specific tools for you. So it can be a little bit hard. Um, if you're so inclined and you're more uh, like savvy with code than I am, you feel free to like take a look at like Unity or something and actually like experiment with the engine. Um, that's not something I do because seriously, like I'm so bad at math and I barely understand code that I just cannot like I get bored immediately. I'm like, ah, you know what? This seems like a cool tool, but I'm going to I'm going to go chase Pokemon instead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say the only two that probably don't get mentioned very often. This is probably this is actually strictly mobile QA um, is uh, Xcode, you know, having some good solid knowledge of Xcode and uh you know, being able to just pull screenshots from the tool, uh, being able to get logs from that tool. Um, it's very easy. Xcode is kind of laid out in a way that is just very easy to read and understand, and it doesn't take much. Uh, Android Debug Bridge, though, is uh, a little bit more intense in the sense that you have to use it through terminal. So uh, for People with engineering experience, it's really not a big deal at all. But using Android Debug Bridge as like an artist or designer or even as a QA tester, it's it's a little daunting. And that's something I would probably suggest anyone that wants to get into QA spend a little time figuring out as well. Um, yeah, we use uh, ADB and uh, the bridge all the time as engineers as well to do testing yeah. for mobile devices. Uh, but, you know, I want to talk also about 
So again, a little more deep dive into like your processes as a QA team. Uh, like you guys have mentioned in at Sprockets, you guys do smoke test, sanity test, regression testing. What what does that mean? What is where do they come into play in the a game? You know, a game's life cycle. What do they mean? You define them and tell them what the purpose of them. You go first, Will. I've done like the last four first. Okay, all right. <laughs> so uh, I'm, counting. Um, I'm counting, motherfucker. I mean. Uh, <laughs> We'll start with the smoke test because the one that's the one that's most commonly done. And uh, a smoke test is basically just entering every element of the game, uh, touching every button that you possibly can, and doing this check very quickly to ensure that when you get a new build, uh, that every single part of that game is in a state that is completely ready for test. And um, it depends on how a studio actually runs. So you know, if for like continuous integration. That's not really something that's possible because you know you're the build's constantly getting updated. You're not going to run that smoke test every single every single moment. So uh, you know getting a test in in the morning or in the evening is good for this stuff. However, if you are have like set build times, you know if you have a daily build every morning, every noon, and every uh, evening, you know it's much easier to be able to run that smoke test. And it's much easier to run that test, be able to quickly kick it back to the devs and say, look, this is broken and this version was not broken in this version. Um, you know, and that's that's mainly for like really high level like P0 blocker bugs. Um, those are the only times you're really gonna kick that back is when like, dude, half this game is broken. We can't test this. Um, as far as like smaller issues that you catch in that. Like it's weird to say that in a smoke test you would just ignore some things, but a lot of times you do. In a smoke test you you have to have tunnel vision on anything anything that's blocking the game. Only things that are blocking the game. If like this thing is blue and it's supposed to be red, I don't care about that right now. I'll write it down and come back to it later. But the smoke test is very, very focused. Cool. Wanna take the next one, Greg? Sure. Well, why sure? Um, <laughs> in terms of uh, like other types of testing, like regression testing, et cetera, um, uh, tackling regression specifically. So let's say that we've moved past our smoke test and it's actually a, a good build, um, or at least good enough to test, and we go back to Will's uh, red thing that should have been blue. Uh, so we'll write that down as a bug in a database. And uh, when I say write it down, obviously I'm not like – we're not. We're past the pen and paper days. Sony, <laughs> Sony's gone. But uh, you submit it as a report in a database, whatever you happen to be using. It gets signed out to some engineer or artist who flips the red or blue switch, and now it is appropriately blue, uh, or at least they think it is. So they check in their change. You get a new build. Once again, you go through the smoke test, and you found like, all right, this build is is ready for QA, and then you go and do what's called regression. And at at that point, that's where you go back through that bug and any other bugs that were sent back is like these should be fixed now, um, or they might not have been sent back. Sometimes engineers will be like, hey, I fixed that thing. Look at it, and uh, that'll do. But, um, yeah, you go back and you check, like, okay, is the blue thing now blue? And, I mean, just thinking about that sentence, that's the kind of crazy stuff we have to say to ourselves all the time. Is the blue <laughs> thing blue now? Um, we go and we check it out, and if we look and see, is the blue thing blue? And if the answer is yes, then we close that bug and we move on with our day. If it's no, then we have to we have to say another dumb sentence. Blue thing is still not blue, and we send it back to the engineers, and they have to take a look at why the blue thing is not blue. Interesting. <laughs> blue, 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 blue. Uh, <laughs> so. I have just a question, just almost like a day-in-the-life question. How much of these tests are, I mean, with the regression tests and stuff, how much of those things are, uh, like, prescriptive? Like, you have a list of, like, for example, when I, I when we made, I've made games on, like, the Xbox Indie Place back when that was a thing, and you'd get a long list of certification requirements. Or, like, if you're <clears> playing it, and the controller is plugged in, but on the second pad, a Rock Band controller is plugged in, you pause the game, in the exact same moment you unplug the controller, if that happens. So do you have like a list sometimes of those things or is it just a, like you're going into the game and just exploring and trying to find stuff on your own? How, what is the, the balance, the percentage? So you're talking about actually uh, two different things okay, um, yeah. to, get, to get technical here. So it's, one side is uh, you're talking about like 
essentially test plan and test casing and those are the things we have absolute lists of um okay. for an example if you're in a racing game and there's a paint shop right you'll probably make a test matrix of make sure every car can be every color of paint or every combination of colors of paints and that sucks and that's usually reserved <laughs> yeah. for the guy who is late all the time or whatever. <laughs> yeah it like, really does suck yeah that's yeah. the worst part <laughs> yeah um but the other part what you're talking about is going around that's exploratory testing that's getting in the game and just trying to find new places for it to break um um, exploratory testing is every tester's dream because that's exactly what game testing sounds like, like just break me the game. And it's awesome when you get to do it, when you actually have like 30 minutes of, you know, like free time to just like my test cases are done, my lead's in a meeting, I'm going to explore and find my own creative awesome bugs. It's when you almost get to put your own signature in the database, like like look at this thing, I found this, you know. Um, is, is it bittersweet when you find a bug or is it, I mean, is it, is it like, it's like, oh man, we have another one or you get happy in a way. Reason. Yeah, is it, that's a weird question. <laughs> that depends, man. Like, I'm not going to yeah. lie and say I've never been happy, like, or, like happy about finding a bug because I certainly have been where I've been like, oh, I told you guys this wasn't done you know and that's that's nice um i'm also you know happy i found it but there are other times where at the end of like 12 hour day you're just like i think this might be the bill oh god what was that and then oh, you no, look no. and you're like oh i hope i can't repro that i can repro that <laughs> it feels yeah it feels like you're the, the qa department has the biggest like roller coaster of emotions probably of any department <laughs> oh, yeah. i would think a little bit yeah i mean i mean one of the things i I remember as a tester, I loved finding bugs. Like I never felt bad about that. I loved breaking the game. I felt like I was sticking it to somebody. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, as a lead, and as they a started leader, sticking it to you. Yeah, that's actually exactly it. As a lead, you start realizing, oh God, this is horrible. This is not a good thing at all. Why did I ever feel good about this? And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you you start as the leader, you start paying for it, and you kind of realize why it wasn't so fun for your lead when you were finding 50 bucks in one day. (laughs) Right. So I'm curious, I know you guys have a lot of, a lot of industry experience, um, but where do, where's the crossover for like the indie dev out there? Like does QA and do regression testing and smoke testing, do they have a place uh, and a life outside of the industry? Does it have a place for indie devs who are working on, you know, some game on their mobile device? And if it does, how can they do it without themselves doing it? Basically, you know, or or so spending exorbitant amount of money yeah. or time. Yeah. Oof. So I mean, the best the the few people I've known that have made their own indie games, they actually usually get either QA people they know from the industry, or if they don't know anybody, they call their best gamer friends and be like, "Hey, man, I'll buy you a twelver and a pizza if you come help me just break the hell out of this game." Right. And it seems to work out. Um, for them you know uh personally i will usually just go help out anyway because i like doing that stuff but that seems to be what most people do um and i'd say it's definitely beneficial uh actually for a few of my friends that have had me do qa i i actually do set up a database for them to be able to track issues uh i mean i think that gets forgotten a lot and it's not like the most important thing in the world if you're an indie dev and you're just kind of making your own thing but if you are making something that's fairly heavy-handed in the tech side, you're going to want a database. You're going to want a way to track these issues. And I mentioned earlier, Atlassian is only $10 a month. So uh, there's that option as well. But, yeah, Greg kind of called it. It's asking your friends, your QA friends, and then asking your buddies to come play the game and kind of watching them play. Like, I, especially if it, they're, they have no QA experience, I would definitely say you should be watching them play the game as closely as possible uh, because they're not really going to be seeing the things that you're looking for. Um, I guess to move along a little bit, I'm, I'm curious, um, I guess still on the topic of tool set though, does your, does your tool set change? Because I know you guys, uh, Greg, especially, I know you've gone from, or well, I guess both of you guys, just gone from like mobile to console to MMO type games, just the, basically the gamut of all types of games. Does it switch your tool set as far as like, you know, having that database, having maybe Word, Excel, Outlook? Does that tool set switch or is it pretty consistent across the board? So once you have, you know, a basis of knowledge in the tool set, you're pretty much good to go. Yeah, your tool set changes every, not sometimes not even just every company, but every project you're on. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, that's where going back to having flexibility and being able to justice things really well comes into play because every time you move to a different project, you're going to have to adjust to some new process, some new tools. And while, you know, 
there's the thought, there's the nice thought that, you know, you're going to get an 80, 20, uh, difference on every project. It's not likely. <laughs> you like that? You like that? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I appreciate that. Cool. Uh, uh, I mean, the basics stay the same, though. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. database and office are going to be universal mostly because every place uses just about every place uses some version of office, and you know, every place has a, some sort of tracking. But otherwise, uh, we'll nail on the head there. It's it changes like within within the life cycle. Cool, uh, cool. So, um, I guess we'll be reaching towards the end. But I just wanted to. I'm curious, like what you guys for the future of your I guess your career specifically in QA do you guys I know Greg said he, he sees himself you know being a QA guy for the rest of his career uh, are you the same will, way Will um, and also back to Greg like if you see yourself as being in QA uh, for the foreseeable future why is that why do you why do you want to stick with it okay Will you want to go first or you want me to sure um so my actual ideal position at this point, uh, and it took a little bit of soul searching because I actually for a while didn't want to leave QA either, but uh, kind of changed my mind recently. And I've been looking at more project manager. Um, I like working with people and I noticed the project manager kind of spends a lot of time doing that. There's also a lot of organization involved in that. And I have one of those brains that is good for that when I want it to be. So that's kind of where my focus is now is I, I learned the part I really like about QA is the same thing Greg mentioned earlier, which is team building. And uh, no one builds a team more so than a project manager. Ha. <laughs> ha. Fi, <laughs> I say, sir. <laughs> and here comes the disagreement. Yeah, so um, I'm going to disagree with what Will said right there just because I, I do think that um, – in most companies, uh, even at Sprocket, QA actually doesn't exist within its own projects. Um, they exist as a separate entity, and it's supposed to be that way because it doesn't do a whole lot of good if QA is accountable to only producers. Because many places, um, Sprockets is not like this, thankfully, but many places will have producers who are more inclined to hit a deadline and ignore quality than the other way around. Um, so in an ideal situation, QA actually has a reporting structure outside of the project itself. They do not report to the PO of a project nor the PM. Uh, they report to their manager who reports directly to the head of studio or whatever middle manager is in between that, depending on the size of the studio. Um, so in my opinion, in terms of the most impact on the biggest team, you're always going to be a QA guy. And like I mentioned before, um, QA for me is a lot about the people you work with. Um, there's just a lot of things that I enjoy about the the type of people that come to QA, the curious, the the really people who want to strive. Like the best testers are always a little bit ambitious, and I love being able to help them do that stuff. Um, I know my limits. I'm not one who is going to ever be thrilled about getting like a 3 a.m. phone call from either another country or my studio head who's crazy and wants to like talk to me about a game right now or like some person asking me, you know, like, oh my gosh, you know, like, what do you think about designing this feature? Like, none of that sounds appealing to me. On Saturdays, I don't want to be working, you know? So I like QA because even though we do have to do the weekends, we do have to do the late hours, when we're done, we're done. We're out. It's over. You know, and I like being able to be the guy who enforces that. I like being able to create an environment of good work-life balance. I like being able to create an environment of growing. And I really feel like QA is the best place to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, like if somebody that. was like, hey, man, you want to be director of ops? I'd totally do it. I'm not qualified, but I'd totally do it. Directors make I also like the, I like the 3 a.m. call, the political. It's topical. I like that <laughs> yeah, reference. Exactly. That's good. So I guess I uh, would have another question. Was oh well, I guess oh yeah. Speaking of, I guess just your advancement because both of you guys like skyrocketed through uh, your dev careers and became leads at Sprockets. Now, what what does it really? Is, is there more to get ahead in QA uh, other than like the patience, the flexibility, uh, and just knowledge of the tool set? Like what really sparked your your growth as QAs? So I have a, I have a theory on this, and I don't know if it's totally true, but. I honestly think uh, the reason certain people get picked for QA leads is because when things go wrong, they're the ones not running around with like a chicken with their head cut off. 
Um, I think one of the biggest problems I see in a lot of QA leads is that when one thing goes wrong, everything is falling apart. And they're, they're constantly bugging the other leads on the project or they're throwing this kind of lame bug that doesn't really matter to anything in someone's face saying, this has to get fixed, this has to get fixed. I think what may, one of the things that really makes a strong QA lead is chilling the fuck out. You know, like when things go bad, you have to have a good head on your shoulders and relax about things. Because if you're the one sitting there panicking, you're not just going to panic yourself. You're panicking the QA testers and you're actually even panicking the devs because I think at some point the devs do kind of look to you and being like, okay, this guy is going to judge the state of my game. Yeah, totally. So if he's freaking out. That's a problem. <laughs> you're the validation yeah. stage at that point. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, being the coolest head in the room is always a, a bonus. I'd also say the other, like, the other thing, at least for me personally, that helps is um, I'm not one to, like, shy away from confrontation. I don't, just because somebody's, like, my superior in work, like, I'm not afraid to, like, like really go after them if I think they're wrong. And that's definitely bitten me in the ass a few times, as I've learned uh, there are certain ways that are good to do that and certain ways that are bad to do that. But um, I think that developing that skill set is super important because, it allows you to advocate for your team's work better than somebody who is either just going to fly off the handle, which used to be me, or somebody who is just going to be like, oh, well, whatever, you know, because at that point you're losing buy-in from your guys or in worst case, you're losing your own job. But being able to advocate effectively for your team comes from a place of being able to accept and almost embrace the idea that there's going to be conflict and confrontation and that there is a good way to resolve that. And if you don't if you don't have that skill set, I mean, there's plenty of online resources that can help you develop it. Or, I mean, like find a good friend and pick an opposite viewpoint and just see what happens. You know, um, <laughs> I, I wanna, you go ahead and ask Will. I've definitely done that to him over the last 15 years or so. So, I mean, like that's yeah. one of those things that, yeah, yeah, you don't have to agree with me, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to agree. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think um, that's just one of those things that it comes with practice, and, and it's one of the, it's as cliche as it is like with a little bit of age comes a little bit of wisdom in this one but right. having that that skill set to just be able to understand like this is wrong i'm gonna need to approach this problem i have to tell the guy who's in charge of the project that he's making a mistake let's figure out how to do this and like make that decision pretty quickly and go about it you know that's that's helped me immensely and it's something that i think would help just about anybody who wants to do what we do yeah that's the key of any creative uh, like success i think is that you, that you can actually talk openly and freely, objectively, and not have personal issues involved with that? And like, well, I, I spent so much time with that. So well, who cares? You, yeah. We have to fucking throw that away and move on now because that that yeah. didn't work now. So you spent a lot of time on a broken thing, man. Like I don't know what to tell yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It's like, but what 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 problem are we solving? Do you want to make a good game, or do you want to have validation for your time you spent on this? So. <laughs> Uh, exactly. Yeah, I want to just kind of start to wrap to wrap this up. The, if you guys had, you guys are so invested in QA, and this is cool. I love this discussion. Um, if if QA, if you were like the VP of a of Sprockets or any other place, <laughs> and and you had the ability to say like, what are the to to make you know, like really affect change in the organization or change in how QA is involved with the whole organization? Like, what are the biggest issues in the field, and how do you think? I mean, is there things that need to be restructured, or is there certain issues that? It could actually affect the the field positively how would you uh, if you had an open you know ticket what would you do to to be more effective at your job hmm. um let's see so honestly here at sprocket i will say i'm impressed things are actually really really good for qa and it's a nice change of pace coming from uh, a lot of other places but you know in terms of the things that I would change, and this is just an industry thing, is I would actually salary my guys. Almost all QA testers are hourly, and that's cool and everything, except that most of the rest of the team is salary, and because of that, they kind of forget that there's some labor law stuff around that, and rather right. than having me run around and chase people and be like, hey, you can't bother them for 30 minutes because they're on a, a legally mandated meal break, I'd rather just have them be salaried, and that way everybody on the team is even more equal. I'm not saying they have to get paid as much is like the highest paid person on the team or anything because that's just silly but at the same time like you know having them equal in the sense that like when everybody else is working or being asked to do something that they are also in the same boat and they're not like oh well, when do i clock out you know right mm -hmm. 
that'd be my magic wand wave. Cool. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being totally honest, at Sprockets, I feel the structure is pretty solid. Like, I think it's actually probably the best structure I've ever seen for a QA department, which is a small team of testers, a lead for those testers, a manager, and that's kind of it. You know, when you when you hire, and, and this goes to Greg's point, like contract testing really sucks. Um, it be I, just all, <laughs> all all around, just like contract testing, it sucks. That's where that, that that question popped up in my mind just then is whether a personal relationship with the dev team or not affects the job. That's interesting. Oh, it absolutely that. does. I mean, Greg pointed it out a long time ago when he was saying, you know, there's a guy on the other end of the screen and you're just kind of like, whatever, fuck this dude. Like, right. I feel like the dev probably feels the same way on the other side of like, whatever, screw this. Like I didn't, you know, fucking talking shit about my game, whatever, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, there's, there's that with the contract testing. When you have contractors, you set them aside, you separate them from the team and it creates this, weird animosity like i've been part of qa departments that don't ever see the devs and it is the saltiest group of people you will ever meet <laughs> really really is and i'm not saying it's not you know without justification because in a lot of cases it is greg and i have been kind of for lack of a word shit on in a lot of places that we've been <laughs> and that's you know, accurate it, yeah <laughs> it totally comes from the stigma that qa carries is that we're not actually developers we're just people that are looking at the game and writing things up. You know, we're, we're, contract testing is almost looked at as like at-home beta testing in that sense. Right. So when you have someone on site who's hired full-time is actually uh, embedded in that development team, that tester is going to be worth like 10 of 10 contract testers. Yeah. And I would say the ones we have right now at Sprockets definitely fit that mold. Yeah, I hope they listen because I don't compliment them very often. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, they don't listen. They suck. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny. Oh, wait, no, that's not true. Garrett listens. I know he does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Hi, Garrett. <laughs> I mean, Gary. Hi. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Larry. Hi, yeah. Larry. Exactly. Oh, whoopsie. <laughs> Cool. Nobody listens to the matter. <laughs> cool. Well, this was an awesome conversation. I think all of our listeners are going to enjoy it because I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fascinating. A lot of great yeah. information. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we can't thank you enough for joining us on the show, um, Greg. Thanks for having us. Well, of course. Yeah. Yes, we definitely got to do a recap maybe some sometime soon. We'll get you guys on as guest hosts and we just talk about something else. Oh, yeah. You guys are fun and opinionated and you're articulate, so that's always a good plus. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for kind of shitting on our other. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You're making a negative. That's a... <laughs> okay, <I'm> just... <laughs> but yeah, we should definitely grab you guys uh, soon. All right. Cool. So, um, thanks again uh, for joining us on the show, and we will catch you guys later. All right, thanks. Man, thanks. All right, that was Will DePardo and Greg Anderson. And I love that interview because we've been talking about QA for a long, long time. And we like we should do an episode about that. Episode. <laughs> we don't know anything about QA. Yeah. And I like this, that it was an interview, but it was also just a normal topic episode where we just like dug deep into what QA is all about. And I, this is my favorite thing because we selfishly started this podcast. <laughs> One of the reasons is to learn as much as we can about, you know, from awesome developers and people and people in the game industry that are better exactly. than we are. Steal so yeah, this were <laughs> succubus. We're sucking it out of them. So <laughs> I, I, I thought this was fascinating. It was a great discussion. I agree. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, like you said, well, they really dug deep into uh, QA, just like even just talking about smoke tests and regression testing, things that I wasn't really 100% on. That's what they cleared up for us. And and just, I think, I mean, everything we kind of talked about, they gave a lot of information for people all across the realm, like, or the swath of, you know, game development experience, whether you're indie, getting started, new, or been in there for a long, long time. I think they gave something that you will grab onto it and, and I guess learn from, so... Yeah, so, yeah, check it out. It's, it was a fun interview. So now we will talk about a couple of things. One, before we go, we're going to talk about our video show. I don't know if we can call it new now because it's entering our third or fourth week as we record this. So it's the Debug I Lounge. I think it's safe until the first month, I guess. So Yeah, it's only like two or three episodes, but... Yeah. 
uh, it's been an awesome experience. We've been interviewing uh, again, like we just said, we haven't done an inter, uh, interview for this show in eight months, but we've done about eight to, to nine interviews with just developers, you guys that are in the group every week. So it's been a fun experience. So it's the Debug Lounge. It's a YouTube series only, and we're going to put a podcast feed of it of it soon. But we talked to you about the game you're working on and all that stuff. And so we have a couple of episode, episodes out. And if you go to YouTube, our YouTube channel, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, just go to our actually debuglog.com. You can find it there, but it's been a fun ride. And I don't know if you want to be on the show. That's the big key of this thing. It's like anybody can be on the show. Everybody listening to this, everybody who's working on a game or yes. you're thinking about working in a game. That's the the key factor yes, of that don't show. Don't be scared. Just if, right. if you have any project you work on, or even if you're not working on a project currently, but uh, you've got something that you've worked on previously uh, that you're excited about and, can, and passionate about. We want to talk to you because it's going to be a great story either way, I'm sure. So. Yeah, so the fastest way to do that, just search on Facebook for the Debug Lounge. You can do that way. You can actually request to join the group and we'll put you in. It's a private Facebook group just to... It's keep out the riffraff. I don't know. But I don't know. <laughs> it's just because I don't know. We or you can go to the debuglog.com and you can join our newsletter, The Loop, and our good old Eduardo will add you to the group. And beyond just you know being on the show, you can also get a bunch of advice there. Everybody shares what they're working on. We share cool articles. It's just a fun thing that we do every day while we're at work. So check it out, Debug Lounge. Sweet. sweet. Oh, and uh, since Eduardo is not here, I'll talk about our Patreon that we recently launched. Yeah. The launching of our lounge show uh and another uh, patreon is just basically a platform where you can you know help support what we're working on in this creative uh project that we've got going at both with the log podcast and the lounge youtube series so get on the patreon it's uh, www.patreon.com slash the debug log and become a patron and help us and help support the show uh, actually, a quick piece of news is we first got we got our first patron uh, for the we got a dollar. We got a dollar. We got a dollar. Hey, 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 hey. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, big shout out to Gregory, who uh, became our first patron. So thanks for setting setting the tone with that. Yeah. Big so dollar. check it out on, on there. We don't it's we wanted to set it up with the debug lounge, uh, the video launch. But it has one tier on there and it has, you know, there's no video, but we're working on a video now. And we're working on. Some really cool uh, different hierarchies, the perks in there. So it's like, you know, different levels where we do stuff like a Google Hangout every month. We do some fun game nights, stuff like that. We're trying to work on we're really taking the time to think about the fun things we could do with all you guys. So just keep stay tuned to that page and we'll update it as we go. Well, I guess to contact me, uh, you can reach me on the Twitters at O-Beans. That's O with H. E-Z with a Beans with a Z. You're messing up your own Twitter name. I literally did. (laughs) Anyway, it's O H B E A N Z. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm at Andrew underscore Curry. That's C U R R I E. That's it. That was good. Yeah, enjoy that. (laughs) 